0: That is greater than all my sin. We're going to take our Bibles this morning to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8, and we're going to dive right into the message today. Mark chapter number 8. You'll notice that the way that it goes, God's ways are not the ways of this world. So what this world would say on certain things, God says the opposite. And God's ways are always right. And so Mark chapter number 8, we're going to look down at verse number 34 today. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Father I pray that you'd bless the next few minutes that we have here this morning together. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I pray that as we look at this passage today, that you'd work in our lives and our hearts, and we look at what discipleship is all about today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Many people like God... They like to hear about him some. And there are many people that would, you know, we kind of treat the Lord kind of like an app on our phone. It's there, but we want it there when we want to use it and not all the time. I have an app. A while back I started doing intermittent fasting, another way to keep losing just a little bit more weight. Well, it was about three weeks ago I quit using the app. The app's just been sitting there. And he keeps trying to remind me, hey, Brian, you haven't used me in three weeks. It's like, duh, I know that. I haven't used you on purpose. I don't need you right now. But I think in Christianity, a lot of times, and people, we want God, we want Jesus to be like a little app on our phone that we use when we want to. That's not true discipleship. That's not what God's called his children to You see, he doesn't want to be an app on your phone. He doesn't want to be part-time in your life. He is Lord of all, and he wants to be Lord of your life. That's what he wants. And so we look at these verses this morning, and as we look at them and we continue to go on, we see today that Jesus calls these people to follow him. He gives them four conditions and three cautions in the verses this morning as we look at them. Now, as we look at this this morning, I want to make sure we're in context. We're going verse by verse through the book of Mark. If you remember last week, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And some said, you're this prophet, this person, and John the Baptist, some prophet. He says, but who do you say that I am? And And we see that Peter there said, thou art the Christ. He got it right. And then the Lord goes in to tell them and made it very clear that He being the Son of Man that He must suffer many things. He's going to be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He's telling them what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. It must happen. It's going to happen. And you remember Peter says, No, Lord, it basically. says, You're not going to do that. And the Lord tells him, Not to hinder the work. And to quit acting like Satan. We looked at that last week. We look today at verse number 34. It says. And when he had called the people unto him. That word called. It means to call to oneself. To summon hither to bid to come. He's calling them together. To give them something very important. That he's about to teach them. In these verses that we look at today. And so. Basically, what we see today is Jesus describes what it means or what it looks like to follow him. Not what our definition of following Christ looks like, but what his definition of following him looks like. You notice in verse number 34, the middle there, he said them, whosoever. You see, the call to discipleship is to everyone. Whosoever will. Anyone can do it. But as we look here today, there are some conditions to following Christ we find in these verses. So we're going to discover today that the demands of discipleship can't be dismissed or downplayed. They are there. We see them before our very eyes today. I heard someone say this phrase before, and I thought of it as we were going through the message today. Salvation to us is free, and thank God for that. Jesus Christ paid it all and did it all, but discipleship will cost you your life. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what we see here. Let's dive in today and see the four conditions of discipleship. Number one, we see desire. We see desire. The first condition is that a person must have a desire to become a disciple. Whosoever, you see right there, it says, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Anybody can do it. You see that phrase, would come, has the idea of being intentional and involves the will. And so as we look at this, I love how Jesus, he just doesn't, in this group of people, he just didn't call his disciples close, did he? No, he called the casual follower there. He called his disciples, and even Judas was there, right? So a guy who, had, who really had nothing to do with him when it's all said and done. And when we look at these things, we still have those three types of groups of people today. There are some people that are curious about Christ, others that are committed to him, and then there are those who are counterfeit, like Judas, And so you'll notice that Jesus is about to give the same message to each group. He calls everyone to himself. It does not matter this morning what you've done or where you've been. It matters what you do with that question we asked last week. Who do you say that Christ is? That's where it all begins. You see, you will never be a follower of Christ, without being born again. That's where it begins. Till you can answer that question, who is Christ to you, and answer it correctly. That's what salvation is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. The fact that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again three days later. That is the gospel. That is what it's all about, Jesus Christ. And so as we look here this morning... And as we think about these things, you'll notice the phrase, as it says there in verse 34, whosoever will come after me. This has the idea of movement, of lining up, be following Christ where he goes. Now, when we look at this, we don't walk in front of him. We don't catch up with our ways and wishes and come back to him. No, we get behind him so that we walk where he walks. We walk after him, not ahead of him. You see that right there. Whosoever will come after me. Hey Christian, do you have a desire this morning to follow Jesus and be a disciple of his? You won't follow him unless you want to. You can do, and this is, is, think about this. People do what they want to do. How many of you would agree with that statement right there? People do what they want to do. If you desire to follow Jesus, guess what? You can. If you don't want to follow Jesus, you don't have to. And I hear people often, well, I just just can't know what's what's stopping you. The problem is, who's in control of your life? If Jesus is in control, you're going to follow him where he leads you. If you're in control, you're not going to want to do what Jesus wants you to do, correct? And so we see the four conditions when it comes to discipleship. And the message this morning, it's not going to be a a warm and all, God's love is so great, and his love is great. But the message this morning is what, discipleship demands things of us. And sometimes we don't like that, but last time I checked, God doesn't care what we like or what we think. He gives us what we need. And Jesus was teaching his disciples here. And as we look here and we go deeper, until you desire to follow Christ, you won't. Remember, there are many, and we aren't going to go to all the pastors this morning, but Jesus told us, hey, follow me. And he says, I got to go, go take care of my parents. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. What's the desire of your heart this morning? Is your desire to follow Christ? Then you will. If everything else is getting in the way from you following Christ, then those things will continue to get in the way. We see this morning, as we look at the text this morning, we see several things, and we see some conditions for discipleship. We see, number one, we see desire. If you, des- and you think about this, it comes down, how much do you desire the Lord? Think about Psalm 73, verse 25, the scripture tells us, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. That should be the desire of every one of us. Christ should be our desire. Living for him. Following him. We see discipleship this morning. And as we look at discipleship this morning, we see four conditions. The first one we see is desire. Number two, we see denial. The second condition is to deny self. Let him deny himself. Do you see that there in verse number 34? It says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Everything within us, in this flesh, screams against denying self. One Bible dictionary puts it this way. It says, to disown and renounce self and to subjugate all works, interests, and enjoyments. That's what denial is. We don't like to deny our flesh. We want something, we want it, right? You think about it, you can even look and say, this is what Peter tried to do just a few verses before with Christ. It's the same word that described what Peter did. It says, let him deny himself. The Bible tells us in Luke 14, so likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's strong language from the Lord right there, isn't it? If you're not willing to put Christ above everything else, you can't be a follower of his. And it says you cannot. It doesn't say that there's still a chance. It says you cannot be my disciple. You know, there's other passages Where, if you don't hate your father and mother, and people look at that like, whoa, no, 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 the Lord doesn't want you to hate your father and mother. If He wanted wanted you to hate them, He wouldn't tell you to honor them in other places. No, what He's saying is, your love for the Lord should be so much greater than anything else in your life. Christian, this morning, what is the greatest love in your life? Is it the Lord? You see, we've got to get to the point in our Christian life where we put Christ where he belongs first. In the church, he's supposed to have the preeminence. He's supposed to have first place. In our homes, he should have first place. In our lives today, he should have first place. Don't forget that in church, he's to have the preeminence. That's why we look around this morning and I, have a hard, I saw a, a nice thoughts, this pastor appreciation thing. I wonder if a pastor came up with that or a, or a good church member. I don't know. Probably, probably a pastor came up with that at some point. I, I think it's baloney, but that's just me. I, but I'm grateful, the love that comes out. But you've got to understand something, it's not about me in this place. And make sure you don't ever forget that it's all about him. It's always about him. And let me give you a little quick thought. Pastor appreciation, I want to tell you a few things you could do to help your pastor feel appreciated. Here's some things you can do. Are you ready? Number one, read your Bible. You You want me to feel appreciated? Read your Bible. Number two, pray. Number three, go to church. And you say, oh, pastor, I appreciate you. Then tell someone about Jesus this week. That's the best appreciation right there. Do what God calls you to do, and that's the best thing you can do. Say, Pastor, do you want my money? I don't want anything. I want you to follow Jesus and do what Jesus calls you to do. So you do that, and you follow the Lord, that's the best appreciation a pastor could ever have, is just following God and doing what God wants you to do. When you think about this denying self, it's different than self-denial. People will sometimes do self-denial by, I'm not going to eat chocolate right now. I'm going to skip chocolate for a few days. Or I'm going to go on a Facebook fast. Or I'm not going to root for the Raiders. That would be a great idea, Eddie. That really would help you in your life if you could change that one right there. But that's not what it's talking about here. When we think about denying self, it means that I stop thinking I'm always right. That I stop living under my own power and refuse to pursue my own pleasures because I am no longer my own. That's what 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 is all about. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In short, I must give up the right to run my own life because I no longer own my own life. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and I belong to him. That's what this thing about. Let him deny himself. It's what we need today. Most of us, including myself, are fine with glorifying God, but we don't want to do it if it costs us anything. God understands something, we cannot fully follow Christ while our lives are lived to please self. The Bible says right here, let him deny himself. I, when I go running, I put music on in my earbuds and I listen as I go and all I listen to is Christian music for the most part. I would say 98, 99% of all music I listen to is only Christian. And the, the other 1% is when I'm in stores or things like that. Or, or I might have, I'll tell you, one of my, one of my favorite worldly songs is Sweet Caroline. Only because that's my wife's name. So that's my, that's my song. I like the song a lot just because of my wife. And Carla, did you just go, what did you just do? Shame on you. No, that's a great song. That's a great song right there. We'll leave that alone. Well, I don't know that I like him either, but I like the song because my, I think of my wife. But anyways, when, we, when I was listening the other day and I thought that something happened on my thing because it was playing the song, it was almost like a breakup song. I'm like, why is this breakup song playing on my, and so I looked down, you, and don't do this. Let me give you some advice, especially guys in the room. Don't try and look down at your phone and keep running at the same time. It doesn't work out very good. You end up falling, okay? And you say, how do you know that? I'm not going to tell you, but I know, okay? And so I looked, and I'm like, what is this song? And this song was by, by Mercy Me, and the song is called So Long Self. So they were bre- breaking up with self. Now listen to these words. This is pretty interesting. And I think this is a good thought here. These are the words from the song. It says, well, if I come across a little bit distant, it's just because I am. Things just seem to feel a little different, you understand. Believe it or not, but life is not apparently about me anyways. But I've met the one who really is worthy. So let me say so long self. Well, it's been fun, but I found somebody else so long self. There's just no room for two, so you're going to have to move so long self. Don't take this wrong, but you're wrong for me. Farewell. Oh well, goodbye, don't cry. So long, self. Have you broken up with yourself? Because there really is no room for two in your life. Either self is on the throne room of your life, or Christ is. That's all it comes down to. As we look at discipleship this morning, and as we look deeper into it, we see some conditions. We see denial, as num- I mean we see not denial, desires. number one, denial is number two. We look at number three, we see death. We see death. Our world today has done a pretty good job of romanticizing the cross and making the cross seem like such a nice thing. That's a nice-looking cross, isn't it? People wear it on their necks. They have it on their cars and different things. That's not what the cross symbolizes. I hear many Christians often, they have a, a nagging church member or a, or a nagging friend and be like, well, I'll just take up my cross and just keep following the Lord. That's not a nagging neighbor, an unkind person. That is not taking up your cross. We look at the next as we continue on here. It says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Crucifixion was a common Roman punishment. And over 30,000 people were nailed to crosses during the lifetime of Jesus, they say. Everyone knew that the cross was an instrument of shame, suffering, torture, and death to take up your cross those were death orders you are not coming down off that cross alive when jesus took his cross and carried it to golgotha it wasn't for him to come down for that was it for those thieves this was the end of the line for them and as i mentioned here and as we look at this and we go deeper we are called that says In this verse it says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. We're to crucify self-fulfillment, self-promotion, self-centeredness. We're to die to our rights. The right to be right. The right to take revenge. The right to fight. Do all these different things. I love as J.C. Riles put it, a religion which costs nothing is worth nothing. Christianity Our salvation cost Jesus Christ his very life. And you say you want to follow Christ, it will cost you something. The problem is today we want stuff that doesn't cost us anything. It sounds like America today too, doesn't it? I'm not going to go deep, real deep into that this morning. But we want things just given, one way or another things have to be paid for. That might be why we're looking at defaulting on our debts as a nation. Because you can't just keep printing money. It just doesn't work that way. It would be nice, wouldn't it, if we just go to the printer back here and print money and be good to go? It would be nice if it worked that way. Everything costs. And as we look at it today, we as a country keep spending, 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 so that our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, it's going to be bad for them. And it's starting to follow up on us today. Just think about that a little bit. But you say, I want to follow Christ, then it's going to cost you something. We see the conditions here for discipleship before our very eyes. And when we look at this, and when we think about it, we think about Galatians 2, verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is quite a condition. Let me ask you this morning do you desire to be a disciple? Do you desire to be a follower of Christ? Are you denying yourself? Have you died? Number four. Under the conditions. We see devotion. Devotion. As we look here. And we see these conditions. We see the Bible says. Whosoever will come after me. Let him deny himself. And take up his cross. And follow me. To follow means to go with. The tense is ongoing. Meaning. We are to be constantly following him. At the core, that's what the word disciple means. A follower of Christ. As we look at this, I heard someone say this a while back, and I believe it's very true. The depth of one's devotion will determine their impact. Let's say that one more time. The depth of one's devotion will determine their impact. You use a term we I hear people often, and I've uh, the Lord's convicted my heart recently, and so I started last week. If you weren't here Sunday night, I mentioned it, going out five hours a week, either doors or whatever, witnessing and sharing the gospel five hours a week now. Did it just finished up yesterday afternoon with my five hours for this week? I used to ask people this question: I used, to, "Are you a Christian?" That's not a great word to use because everybody says they're a Christian because they don't. That you know, it doesn't matter what they. are. I am a Christian. I change the way I word it. The way I word things is, "Are you are you a follower of Christ?" That's the way I word it. Gets more gets people more to think. And when we look at this and when we think about devotion this morning, how's your devotion to him? Once you get your desire right, you deny yourself and take up your cross, you're supposed to follow him. How's your devotion to him today? Do you follow him? There are many out there, and Jesus fought against false conversions in his ministry. I think of the rich young man in Mark chapter number 10, which we'll get to before too long, who came to Jesus to find out how to obtain eternal life. And Jesus, and Jesus told him to follow him. And this is what the guy did, and he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. What does that tell you about this man? That he loved his possessions more than he loved Jesus. What he had meant more than what Jesus meant to him in his life. Commitment to Christ is costly. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your devotion. And as we think about it, we think about what the Bible tells us in Matthew ten thirty eight. that same passage a little bit further. It says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Cross bearers are called to follow the crucified one. We're called to die to our desires and to follow him. As you think about it, hey church, when you messed up this last week, when I messed up this last week, how many of you, How many? let's be honest, how many of you messed up this last week? Would you raise your hand? How many would say I messed up multiple times? Uh, they could raise, I could raise my hands and feet up. Yeah. I messed up a lot this week. We all do. When do I mess up? Really. When I do what he wants me to do, or when I do what I want to do? Everyone's quiet. Brian messed up this week because Brian wanted to do things that Brian wanted to do. And Brian did what his flesh wanted to do, and Brian sinned against God. Do you you see that? You're like, yeah, we agree Brian messed up. Yeah, we get that. Same goes for all of us. So when we look at it and we look at this thing of discipleship and we look at the Lord and we see him, he wants to be Lord of your life. But when we live our lives, and like I mentioned, when Brian messed up this last week, Jesus wasn't Lord of Brian's life during those moments. In those moments, Brian was doing what Brian wanted to do. Brian put himself in the spot of authority in his life to do what he did. Does that make sense? That's our problem. That's where we get into trouble. Because Brian running anything, is a, that's a big problem. We need Christ. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and put Christ where he belongs and follow him. If you're following Christ, you're not going to do the things you did this last week. Am I right on that? I would agree with that statement because Christ isn't going to lead you into what you led yourself into this last week. We look at the conditions of discipleship and we look and everyone, oh, I I'm 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 happy about heaven. I'm ha- Are you a follower of Christ today? The world we live today and the Christianity of 2021 really goes against what this says right here. We want a Christianity that costs us nothing. We come, we check in for an hour a week and then we're done, and we can live our lives as we want the rest of the hours, the rest of the week. That's not discipleship. That's not being a follower of Jesus Christ. Church is just one little part of the life that you're supposed to live. We see the conditions, desire, denial, death, and devotion. Hey, it's easy to add Jesus as a friend on Facebook. It's easy to add people as friends on Facebook. You hit a little button, and you can add them as a friend. If you don't know how to do that on Facebook, be glad that you don't know how to do all that stuff. But it's one thing to be a friend or a fan. It's another to be a follower. Because he is Lord of all, he wants your whole life. He wants my whole life. Nothing, Christian, follower of Christ, should come above Jesus in your life. How are you doing with that today? We see the four conditions for discipleship. Desire, denial, death, and devotion. We close today with three cautions that are found In this passage. The first caution is this. Number one. If you focus only on your own life. You'll lose it. What says there in verse 35. For whosoever will save his life. Shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life. For my sake and the gospels. The same shall save it. If you try to hold on to what you have you'll miss what Jesus wants to give you. That's why we got to get to the point in our lives where we tell Jesus, you know the song that we play during invitations a lot of times, I Surrender All? It's a great song. It's a great song. But I don't know why we play it in churches, because none of us surrender all. We should just change it, and we'll have Brian's version, I Surrender Some. I think that would be the best way to word it, because that's what we do. We surrender some. And some of us, we surrender in the areas that are easier for us. And then there are things that we just want to hold on to. And as we look at these verses here, and as we look at them, we would do well to adopt the attitude that the Apostle Paul had. The Bible tells us in Acts 20, verse number 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. What an attitude right there. What mattered most to him? Christ. We can look in the book of Philippians where he said, I count all these accomplishments, I count them but dung that I may win Christ to know Him and the power of His resurrection. You see, when we lose, that which has always been so important to us, we end up, you think about this, we end up finding that, that which we've been searching for all along. We look and you want happiness in life. You want happiness in life? Follow Jesus. Literally, He is all we need. We need nothing else. And sometimes the Lord helps remove some things from our lives so that we can see He is truly all that we need. We think about the book of Revelation. It talks about um, believers there in Revelation chapter number 12 verse 11. Look what it says, and "They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. Look at the end of this. And they loved not their lives to the death think about what um, Jim Elliot a missionary who was martyred in Ecuador said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose he wrote those words in his 20's see the first caution we see this morning is if you focus only on your own life you'll lose it number two if you focus only on your own success You'll lose your soul. Verse 36 and 37, Jesus asks two probing questions here. It says, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, Jesus uses some economic terms, profit, and then exchange, gain, gain. You could gain everything in this world and lose your own soul. You could make a lot and end up in hell. Because it's not about what you get in this life, it's about who you know in this life. Are you saved today? There are many people that go through life trying to get and get and do all these different things. And if you are so focused on yourself that you lose sight and you don't come to Christ for salvation, what does it profit if you gain the whole world? What does it, what does it really mean to have millions of dollars in the bank account and lose your own soul? It means nothing. Think about that rich man in Lazarus. That man had plenty of money here on earth. What did that money gain him? Did it help him when he died? It did not help him. So we see a caution here. If you focus on your own success, you'll lose your soul. And number three, if you're ashamed of Christ, he'll be ashamed of you. Look at verse 38 there. It says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. I wonder what the Lord would call our generation today. He calls their generation adulterous and sinful generation. You realize as we look at this and we finish up the verse there, it says, Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in glory of his Father with the holy angels. There's a cost to discipleship, but I'll tell you this this morning, there's an even greater cost to not following Christ. We're called to confess Christ, right? That's what salvation's all about. If you haven't confessed Christ, he's not going to know you. If you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you. That's what the Bible says right here, right? Right before our very eyes. And we look at this and we see this was right after Peter confesses who Jesus is, right? We're taking this in context right where it's at. We're not pulling this from anywhere. We're taking it right where it's at this morning. Let's not be ashamed. Let's stand up for the truth of the gospel. Let's confess and profess Christ. Why sometimes, and this is just Brian speaking here for a minute. Sometimes I have a hard time. We talk, someone gets saved and they come to Christ but then they have a hard time getting baptized. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. They say I'm em- I'm embarrassed. What's there to be embarrassed about? If Christ could die for you and be buried and rise again, can't you follow him in believers baptism? It's just a thought that runs through my head. There's nothing when it comes to the things of God this world might look at and say you're a nut or you're crazy. And I'll tell them, you are a nut, and you are crazy. I do agree with that statement. I am too. But why be ashamed of Christ? And we even see later on, we think about Timothy. Paul exhorts Timothy in the closing of his epistles to, um, the Bible tells us in, which verse do I want to give you? 2 Timothy 1.8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the according to the power of God And in the world that we live hey Christian don't be ashamed of Jesus today proclaim him let him be known say well what are people gonna who cares what people think they don't care what you think of them our governor doesn't care what people think of him things down that you think down that road so why do we cower about the things of Christ Discipleship, the four conditions, desire, denial, death, and devotion. How are you doing with that today? Are you a casual follower of Christ when it's convenient, or are you a follower of him today? We've seen the cautions that are mentioned here. I want to give you two application points and we'll be done this morning. I read this in a book and I thought these were good and so I'm going to use them this morning. And so, number one, some application. Surrender spontaneously. Say, what do you mean? Each day you will encounter small, unexpected invitations to surrender to the lord our problem is or our mistake comes when we don't follow those moments i'll give you an example how many of you actually like so last week andrew and these guys we went up to northern california and we helped a church plant i was very uneasy going door to door near san francisco Not because of the, just because of how crazy they are on COVID restrictions. So I was worried, because you had literally, I would say I had almost a, I had at least 10 to 20 doors that actually had the signs you'd see going into a store on their front door. Even hand sanitizer stations right outside the door. So, and the first few people I talked to, they were, they were not nice. And so I don't know if they're scared of me giving them something and all of that. So I was very leery of talking to anyone. So I got to the point where if someone was out in their front yard, I skipped that house and went to the next one just left the door hanger. I quit talking to people for a few doors. And Andrew was right there with me. And there was this lady sitting out on her porch. And I'm like, I'm not going to go talk to her. And do you know when you tell when you say you're not gonna do something, it's kinda like in those moments the Lord's like, What'd you say? Did you say you're not? I think you need to go. I didn't, I kept going to the next door. I got about two doors down. And I went back. She was the nicest lady of the entire trip and had desire to actually come to the church. God gives you opportunities and there are times during the day and you just got to surrender to him. There are times when you don't want to surrender. That was a time I didn't want to. But as we look at an application point, there are things that are put before us and as we look at our daily lives, there are daily invitations to deny ourselves and to surrender to the Lord. Follow through. Listen to Him. Surrender in those moments. And then number two, sacrifice strategically. While we have daily unexpected opportunities, there are also ways we can strategically place ourselves in situations to do what God wants us to do. I give you a couple thoughts underneath that. We have different teams that we've started at our church. Some of them are going pretty well. Some need some more work on those teams. Find a team and work on a team. Hey, this week, find someone, set some time aside to witness. Share the gospel with someone. Set time to read the word of God. I've noticed when I set time for things, it gets done. Are you a follower of Christ today? Or are you just a casual fan? I love sports. Always have, probably always will. Even even when they get super political, I try to back off some, but then I still keep, keep... still go back to it i know it's one of my sins but you got your own too don't worry about me i um a few weeks ago we went to the usc football game Cruz had some tickets and i'm a usc fan my grandpa my, my grandpa set me straight one day because he was a. I w- he's always been a usc fan because my great grandpa taught at usc I was, I liked UCLA when I was younger because they were better in the 90s than USC at that moment. And so I was like UCLA, they were playing each other. Well, to say my grandpa wasn't very nice to me and he taught me a lesson. I became a USC fan that day going forward. The team was losing to Stanford at the half. A lot of those casual fans there booed their team off the field. I am not one, I will not boo my team off the field, no matter how bad the score is. Why? They're my team. And for me, most of my teams have always been bad, so I know what it's like to lose, so it makes it a little bit easier. But those fair weather fans are the ones who are booing. It doesn't look so bad that USC lost to Stanford when Stanford knocked off the number three team in the nation yesterday. Maybe they were a lot better than people gave them credit for. But it's those fair weather fans that are up and down all over the place. And if things are good, they're happy and they cheer. If things don't quite go their way, they're the ones booing and wanting a new coach by halftime. Are you that type of fan with the Lord? Or are you a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus is looking for committed followers that have a desire, that will deny themselves, that will die to themselves, and that are devoted to him and put him first. And if you don't want to do those things, we saw some of the cautions that were mentioned there. That's what true discipleship is. Think to yourself this morning, are you a follower of Christ, or are you just a fan of Christ? And I would encourage you this morning, and every Christian, and if you're saved, I have a hard time believing there's no desire inside of you to want to follow Christ. Unless the sin is so built up in your life that, you've re, that you're that callous to those things. You need desire. If you don't have desire this morning, pray that God would give you a desire to follow him.